0: Hey, welcome to Current Yield, Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I am Jim Grant, uh, the special holiday edition of Current Yield. I'm joined uh, by my confrere, Eric Whitehead, at the control panel. Eric is um, preparing to go away on one of his very interesting vacations. I uh, see he's packed some uh, dehydrated food, uh, body armor, and the like for himself and his family. I have no idea where he's going. To be. Some interesting, right? Someplace interesting. yeah. I, we're not talking about the location for obvious security reasons. The rest of us here at Grants are kind of, I don't know, kind of sticking around. I think Evan has went to Texas rather than his customary Hawaii and son Phil is out there typing, which is a good thing to see. Harrison uh, still working. Harrison always works, right? Dell is here, uh, Fabiano will soon return. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I thought I would hold forth for a bit on how we see the state of the world. Uh, this is by way of enticing all you subscribers in waiting to become subscribers. It's a very special office being a subscriber to Grant's. Not just anybody can. Well, come to think of it, just anybody can become a subscriber uh, by sending us a little bit of money. But uh, but not everyone chooses to because it's a, frankly it's a it's a it's a bit of a not just anybody gets it is the fact of it. I'm going to try to help more people get it by explaining what we're about, how we see the world, and how we see the world evolving. So that's the mission. Next uh, half hour or so, I hope to uh, bring more of you into the fold, not just by begging you, which is a little bit of a humiliating thing to do, but by um, enticing you with some ideas and some information. So here we go. So, uh, Grant's Interest Rate Observer is the name of the product on offer. Interest rates, as you can tell, are our middle name. And I'm here to tell you they're pretty low, right, Eric? Low, yes, I think that's the word. Uh, As of uh, this particular moment, 1.72 trillion worth of debt securities outstanding were priced to deliver a yield of less than nothing in nominal terms. Now, this has become uh, a fact that uh, has become slightly tedious. People used to remark on it with something like incredulity, but now it's yeah, 11.7 trillion. That's about right. It has been at high this year as 16.838 trillion dollars worth of negative yielding debt that was on uh, August. 30th. Apparently the warm weather brings out uh, a lot of interest in these negative yielding pieces of paper. I don't get them in the dead of winter. I don't get them in spring or autumn, but I especially don't get them in the summertime. Anyway, it's down to $11.7 That Bear in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that a bond is a promise to pay interest and in principal in a currency of no fixed or established value. That is the nature of the modern bond and of the modern unit of money. And that's a fact that uh, is central we say to understanding where we are and where we might be going so uh, the u.s 10-year treasury is regarded as the benchmark for the dollar market and it is currently yielding 1.93 i see that bloomberg has come to carry out these decimal places to three and four places to the right of naught so it's a uh, 1.9 3.27. It has been as low this year as, um, I don't know, one and a half or something. It was as low in 2016 as uh, 1.3579. So we did not make a new low, did not make a new low in the 10-year yield this year. We did, however, make a new low in the 30-year yield, which I think now is a two number. Yeah, it's a two point, uh, hold on, ladies and gentlemen, this is an important uh, datum here and that's there. Uh, yeah, 2.3676 and the low in the 30 year hit on August 27th again the warm weather is the bond market's favorite and so 1.95 so uh, bravo to Van Hoisington and his uh, team and especially his investors for being a part of this Van as you know uh, uh, bought 30 uh, year treasuries uh, about 100 years ago and has never sold them that's that's uh, that's what he does and that's what he that's how he has made himself and his partners um, Rich and famous, so well done, Van. Well done, Lacy Hunt. So this brings us to the present moment in in bonds, or to continue with the present moment. A measure of this remarkable year in the securities denominated in currencies of no fixed and established value is the increase in assets in bond funds, and uh, 468 billion is what came in. Astounding. This eclipses the 275 billion over the. Uh, 54 weeks to December 2012. And there are some other records that were on that par, approximately that level 250 billion or so, but nothing like 468 billion flowed in. People cannot get enough of this stuff. And uh, uh, so the question is why? Well, many such theories, uh, you know, we live in a time of uh, unremitting and irreversible deflationary pressures as one notion, one theory, one school of thought. Uh, The very buildup of debt itself is bullish for bonds, they say, because debt lays a dead hand on economic growth. And so, oddly enough, the greater the supply of bonds, the greater their value. That's theory. And you can see this. You can see the extraordinary growth in in bonds, and borrowing. The the federal accounts represent an all-too-representative illustration of the positive, um, raging demand and supply of, demand for and supply of debt. So here's a fact that comes courtesy of of David Stockman. David was, as you may know, was the uh, Director of Office and Management and Budget. Under President Ronald Reagan, and he writes um, a piece called "Contra Corner." And uh, David is um, a man on many missions. Uh, one of his missions, slightly quixotic, is um, is probity and orthodoxy in the federal fiscal accounts. David is uh, is a kind of a Dwight D. Eisenhower balanced budget man, and um, he's out of sorts. And you can tell by reading him. He uh, he is. Uh, Frankly cranky about all this. He he observes, for example, that the gross federal debt on June 30th of this year, we're still 2019, stood at 21.76 trillion trillion. 21.76, and on December 16th, that figure was no longer 21.76. It was rather 22.71. That's a 948 billion dollar increase in the gross debt of the United States of America, and that amounts to a gain, if that's the word, certainly a rise at the rate of $5.7 billion per day. That's including, as David remarks, weekends, holidays, and snow days. $948 billion in, what, six months? Well, and this, as as David notes, and we may all Recall, uh, this comes uh, to what may or may not be the tail end. Certainly, is not the beginning of a business expansion that whatever is lacked in power has certainly compensated for in longevity. As I speak, it is 127 months of age, which compared to uh, the age of uh, yours truly is really kind of nothing. Let's see, what's uh, my age is 70, th- uh, 12 months out of the year, right? So 12. It would be 12 times 73. That's my number in months. Now, uh, just that for uh, all sorts of things, but still, 127 months is a long time for business expansion. And at the tail end, or what certainly is not the beginning, of this business expansion, we are borrowing at the aforementioned rate of five and a half or 5.7 billion dollars a day. And the question is, uh, is why? Well, let's uh, recall that uh, all things in finance are cyclical. That is a truism I will stand by. Um, uh, and that uh, interest rates seem to fluctuate in long cycles. Now, I use the word seem because there's nothing uh, mechanical or preordained about what has happened. Uh, It was not preordained what had happened. It is certainly not preordained to repeat in cycles. But here is the way things have looked with respect to bond yields going back to the final decades of the 19th century. Rates fell from approximately the end of our Civil War, 1865, to 1900. They fell from about uh, 6% to about uh, 2% in Treasury rates. Uh, they rose, did bond yields, from 1900 or thereabouts 1920, uh, from 2 to about 6. Rates fell from 1921-ish or so to 1920. 19- 46, that's 25 years, and uh, they fell from the aforementioned six to about two, two and a quarter or so. Uh, These yields rose from two and a quarter in 1946 to 15, yeah, 15 at the end of September 1981. That's, uh, what I said, that's that's, uh, 35 years. And rates proceeded to tumble Persistently, if not daily, they did retrace their steps from time to time. But rates fell uh, from 1981 till ah, this comes now a, a bit of a contention: Did they stop falling in 2016 when the 10-year yield reached the aforementioned 135? Or is the is that so? Is that the like the end of the bond bull market? Uh, July 8th, 2016, was that famous day when the 10-year reached 1.3579, and today it is uh, rather higher, 1.9327. So one could make the case, I'm not going to make it, certainly not dogmatically, because let us only say that grants has had some experience in premature, Dating of the end of the great bond bull market. So we stand humbly observing and not dogmatizing on this point. And one could also say in defense of the perhaps still extant bond bull market that the 30-year did make a new low, yield made new low this past summer. So I will leave it to you, ladies and gentlemen, to determine for yourselves whether the bond bull market is over, ending, or whether it is just with us indefinitely now bond bull markets have been known to go on what must have seemed at the time to be uh, forever such was the case in England with a bull market and British government securities that began about the time of Waterloo called from round numbers 1815 till about um, yeah, about 1900 1890 something now that was a bull market so that is kind of the uh, Eric that's about the backdrop right this that's that's, uh, that's got a little interest rate context so uh, What are the signs and portents in our credit markets and indeed in our broad financial markets? Uh, What's right? What's wrong? What's uh, lamentable? And what's a darn outrage? These are questions that I mean to address in the next few minutes. Uh, Well, What's right? Yeah. What's right is the year 2019. The stock market is up uh, not a short ton, but a full long ton. Twenty-seven uh, percent or so in the S and P uh, bond market has been uh, a fabulous source of profit. Um, almost everything has gone up a little bit, and many things have gone up a lot. In September, uh, there was a, a little oopsie in the shape of a of a rate called the repurchase rate or the repo rate uh, that spiked up in the middle of September. It did to ten percent, and uh, and that to me is is the uh, perhaps indicative of underlying troubles. That repo rate, that 10%, that unscripted moment uh, bears scrutiny because I think it, it, it could be a portent of something. Now, um, last night, uh, I'm not gonna tell you when we're doing this, but it's it's around Christmas time. La- last night in New York, uh, there was an unscripted weather event, correct, Eric? Uh, Eric is a, is a connoisseur of cold weather, which I think is why he likes some of the uh, more eccentric vacation destinations. But uh, uh, last night, um, without, any warning except to when your phone exploded. There was a great snow squall, right? Whiteouts in the five boroughs. It was fabulous. Eric and I both root for blizzards. This was not a blizzard by any means. So if you're listening in Minnesota, we are not. We're not tending to. We're not going to whine as New Yorkers do about a little bit of this dusting of snow. It was a dusting, but it was unscripted and it was beautiful while it lasted. And it went on for longer than a typical snow skull, maybe two hours or so, it was fabulous. And uh, I, 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 not only, I can't talk for Eric on this point, but not only do I love blizzards, but I love them when they, they come upon us unforecasted. Ah, it reminds me of the nature of uh, human affairs themselves. I mean, uh, uh, we set up as forecasters and as uh, oracles, and uh, and then something comes along that just comes out of the blue. Such was the mid-September spike in the repo rate, 10%. Now, uh, so here's a question. I mean, the the Fed has uh, set itself uh, the job of holding the funds rate at a certain level, call it 1.75 or slightly less. And uh, the Fed is this uh, magnificent institution of Ph.D. economists and hundred years and more of institutional memory. That is formidable, except sometimes has no idea what's going on. And such was the case a little bit in uh, September. Now, this rate spiked to 10% because the demand for overnight collateralized funding was much greater than supply. So question, why was that so? I mean, what wouldn't you give, ladies and gentlemen, for a 10% yield, even for a day? Wouldn't it be sweet? I know some of you were getting by on less than 10%. I dare say everyone within the sound of my voice is getting by without 10%. So why did someone step up, uh, someone perhaps named Jamie Dimon, someone, I don't know, some other banker or some other hedge fund person step up and seize the opportunity to lend, not a 10, but five and six and seven and eight and nine. What's wrong with our system? Well, what's wrong a little bit is what is known as the siloing were the isolation of, uh, of liquid funds in inert deposits at the Federal Reserve to satisfy requirements put in place after the Great Financial Crisis. Do you recall that, that happened ten years ago? The darndest thing. Speaking of unscripting events, just out of the blue, as it were, it turned out that uh, that residential real estate was not a fail-safe collateral. Turns out that the prices of these houses could and did go down. You know the story, or can read about it. But in the wake of that surprise event, the regulators stepped up and shut barn doors with a great big bang. And uh, they set in place requirements for high-quality liquid assets, uh, set leverage ratios, all manner of Of liquidity tests and and resolution laws and rules. You had to have so much set aside in case you, the bank, blew up, which does happen. I've talked to a banker, I guess we all have, but I've talked to one who actually ran one of these things, and uh, his reckoning is that there are hundreds of billions of dollars of cash on balance sheets of the banks today that really are there um, to satisfy regulations that uh, perhaps are the fruit of regulatory overreach. For example, he says uh, that uh, you have to set aside uh, liquid funds to, to uh, anticipate a run on loans you have promised to make in a crisis but are yet undrawn. So if you're a bank and you have promised to uh, lend, say, uh, $100 million to Facebook, and uh, uh, come the moment of crisis, Facebook uh, comes and uh, demands that you lend the $100 million dollars, uh, you have to stump up the money. Well, that that uh, some of that did happen in the crisis, but uh, so. But what percentage of that hundred million? Will they actually add ask the whole thing? Well, the the, the experience in the crisis was they would ask for about ten percent on average. would uh, the Feds insist on assuming that there would be a forty percent drawdown of these unfunded liabilities, unfunded uh, credit lines. That's an example of the source. One of the sources of the great bulk of seemingly redundant cash balances sitting idly in deposit accounts of the Federal Reserve. Anyway, this money was not available to lend at the aforementioned 10% in that moment of not crisis, but uh, perhaps we call opportunity. So this to me is representative, illustrative of the state of our banking regulation and the state of our credit markets. We have regulated to a fairly well, we have uh, in effect, indeed, uh, nationalized the money market. Uh, The Fed has come in and uh, to guarantee the treasury access to its considerable borrowing needs has flooded the money market uh, with funds to satisfy the uh, demand for repurchase financing. That is to say, a kind of a margin loan uh, to carry the treasury securities uh, through the new year and into uh, 2020. And uh, I, don't know, I, I can't help but think, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, there would not be such an overwhelming need for margin credit to carry treasury securities if the rate on offer in treasuries were such as to clear the market and were to, therefore, to appeal to going away, as we call it, going away permanent investment demand. If Treasuries yielded 5%, maybe somebody would want some uh, without uh, needing a margin loan. So uh, I say that rates are too low. And rates are too low because central bankers have put them down there. Now, this, too, is a point of contention. Many say that their rates are naturally low. We at Grants think they are unnaturally low. And because they are unnaturally low, therefore, valuations in a host of financial assets, uh, stocks come to mind first, are too high. Now, I've quoted this line before on this podcast, but I uh, like it so much, I'll quote it again. This uh, comes from Lord Liverpool, uh, about 200 years ago, long-serving Victorian prime minister of Britain. And Lord Liverpool once said uh, uh, that the tendency, he said, the tendency of paper money is to uh, uh, produce fictitious wealth, bubbles, the bursting of which uh, produce inconvenience. And uh, it seems to us here at Grants that uh, the unintended consequence of these ultra-low rates are wide-ranging and uh, some of them are extremely appealing to those who are invested in um, in uh, wealth, which is either fictitious or not. But unintended consequences of these ultra-low rates include the uh, magnificent expansion of the private equity business. They they include these consequences to the, the herd of unicorns that you see outside your garden. Unicorn is, of course, uh, a mythical beast, except on Wall Street, where it is all too real. The unintended consequences of ultra-low rates in the context of a great monetary infusion are pleasant until they become deeply distressing. And we have no idea, I assure you, we have no idea when uh, the moment of deep distress might arrive, but we are on the lookout for it. What we do here at Grants is to look for opportunities, both uh, long and short, uh, bearing in mind always uh, the interest rate backdrop and the monetary context in which these valuations uh, are discovered in the marketplace. So uh, I don't know, that's that's kind of the New Year's message. We think we see a lot of interesting topics for the new year, uh, things to avoid, as well as things to uh, investigate and perhaps seize upon. So this has been, everyone now has to watch The Crown, right? That's a new thing on Netflix. It's, it's a fabulous series. And Eric, I'm not sure about you, but watching this thing, I saw uh, certainly a king, or queen certainly, but maybe a queen, king too, give a Christmas message. They always give Christmas messages, right? So I thought, well, that's for the kingdom, uh, United Kingdom. but. We are at Grants here. We are involved in the principality of interest rates, are we not? And credit and investments of all kinds. And I thought that a, a non denominational, certainly non sectarian Christmas message would be in order. And uh, you've had it. That's it. But do not touch that dial just yet, ladies and gentlemen. Eric has, has dreamt up this uh, positively. I mean, it's beyond generous. This is munificent. It's a subscribe to grants by January 31st and get the following. And I'm not sure about all this. I'm not sure about the advisability of this of this uh, wealth of uh, free materials that you get for a grants subscription. I mean, I, but I, well, okay. If you want to do it, we'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Here's what you get. First of all, you get grants interest rate observer. Right. I mean, that's. I suppose I am not an unbiased observer, except, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a pint-sized press baron, as I rather consider myself to be, I mean, what's the fun of it if you can't tell the world how great your publication is? And, um, well, I'm I'm not gonna gonna quote myself on this, after all, on reflection. I'm gonna quote a couple of friends of ours, um, and they said we could say this. Here it is, here's the testimonial. Quote, the only research I pay for Period close quote. That's from Jeffrey Gunlag, who speaking of royalty and principalities is the, is the I think is the king of the bond market. It's his Christmas message subscribed to Grants. So yeah, uh, 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 so uh, Stanley Druckenmiller, right? Stanley says uh, quote, Grants is the finest financial page for page is the finest financial periodical in print. Period close quote. Stanley Druckenmiller. And here's another one quote, page for page, pound for pound, Grants is the second finest. Financial, periodical, in print. Period. Close quote. That's that's Steve Forbes. Well, you know, Steve has uh, Steve's actually a press baron, uh, so he's got his own interests. So you get grants, and um, if you want to, by the way, if you want to s- sample a sample of merchandise, come on the come on the website. Uh, sample damn merchandise. But here's what we get, and this is this is this is Eric's uh, present to everybody out there who hasn't subscribed, and uh, you know. He's very generous. You get two free issues. You get a, a signed copy of uh, my new biography of Walter Badgett, who was the uh, kind of the muse of central banking. He operated at Badgett in the 19th century. He was a, the most famous editor of the uh, of the Economist, and uh, he was the uh, author of the doctrine about uh, lending in a crisis. You know, lend hand over fist at high rate of interest against good banking collateral to solvent in institutions, and uh, all we recall is the hand over fist part. Okay, uh, two free issues. A signed copy of Badge it. And this is this is where I think it's kind of a little over the top. You got a, a free Grant's coffee mug. Okay, for this to me is astounding how low the price. One thousand two hundred and ninety-five dollars for all of this. Are you sure, Eric? All right, he says, yeah. He says in two years, and this is obviously the the call here. Two thousand three hundred and forty. That's a two-year. So um, you go to www.grantspub.com forward slash pod 2020. Oh man, you should I remember this? Here it is again dot com forward slash pod, it's a podcast, pod 2020. And uh, use promo code pod 2020 upon checkout. So Eric, I think this kind of wraps it up for the year 2019, right? It's been a great year. Yeah. And, um, and 2020 is going to be an even better one because I sense, Eric, I sense in the ether of finance something interesting, uh, something unexpected, something unscripted, a little snow squall. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, I I thank you for listening, and I thank you especially paid-up subscribers for subscribing, and I wish you each and every one uh, happy and merry. This is Jim Grant until next year for Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Year.